if she was going to want to do that. She mentioned that to me earlier. I kept looking over there at her and she wasn't making any moves, so I didn't want to say anything. We're grateful. I know that's going to be... I know that's going to be a big um, burden off of her. She won't know what to do. Amen? 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. That's where we are tonight. 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment, which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shines. He that says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loves his brother abides in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and knows not whither he goeth, because that darkness has blinded his eyes. Evidently, one of the characteristics of the false teachers that John was combating was a lack of love uh, toward fellow believers, which, by the way, is pretty common among false teachers, pretty common among what the Scripture calls heretics. Heretics, false teachers, they come in and they divide churches. And they divide churches. One of the reasons they divide churches is they don't love the people who are in them. They don't care about the people who go to the church. Now, there's no one better qualified, except Jesus, of course, to write on the subject of love than the Apostle John. Because in Scripture, John is known as the Apostle of Love. The Scripture makes direct mention that Jesus loved John on five separate occasions. John 13, 23, uh, John 19, 26, John 22, John 21, 7, and John 21, 20. Over and over it says, this is the disciple that Jesus loved. And as a result, we call him John the Beloved. He is John the Beloved. Now, John's gospel, when you read it, as well as his epistles, is full of this reference to love, 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 love. And I believe that there's a connection between John being loved by Jesus and the many times that John himself speaks of love in his writings. And here's my point. When you recognize the great love that God has for you, you begin to understand how important it is for you to love people. The person who doesn't love people hasn't really understood how much they're loved by God. Because if they really understood how much they were loved by God, they would have no problem at all loving other people. Now, there have been some in the church that, I'm assuming, in this culture where John was preaching here, that were minimizing John's preaching because he was always talking about love. And they say, you look at this guy, all he ever talks about is love. What did the Gnostics focus on? Remember I told you that the main false teaching that John was dealing with was Gnosticism? What was their focus? Their focus wasn't love, their focus was knowledge. Knowledge, 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 knowledge. Not living the truth, just knowing the truth. And we know the Scripture says knowledge puffs up. And so this leads to pride. John was continually, however, encouraging the people in the church to love one another. And maybe there were some who were false teachers in the church who thought that concept was too shallow. 
They thought, well, we're above that. So let's look at what John has to say about love tonight. First thing is the command to love is nothing new. You see that in verse 7. John says the command to love is old. Notice he says it's from the beginning. What does that refer to? It's from the beginning. That refers to the beginning of God's written revelation. Going all the way back to the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. The Old Testament taught that loving God was the supreme thing. And it was primary in a relationship with God. Even going back to a book that you think about the law. You think about Leviticus. You think about all these rules for the law. But Leviticus 19.18 says this. It says, You shall not avenge or bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so that, that command to love your neighbor as yourself was first in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 6.5 And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Jesus referenced those two commandments when He was asked. He said, what is the great, greatest commandment that you can obey? And in Matthew 27, what did Jesus say? Jesus quoted the Old Testament. He said the greatest commandment is to love God and love people. Love God and love people. And so th- this command shows us just how important love really is. In other words, because it's a command, it's a sin not to love God. It's a sin not to love people. And because these two commands are the greatest of commands, it can be then uh, understood that the greatest of sins is to not love God. I mean, that only makes sense if the greatest command is to love God, the greatest sin is to not love God. If the second greatest commandment is to love people, the second greatest sin is to hate people. You know, what could be worse than a refusal to love God? That's about as bad as it gets. Paul, in in his teaching in 1 Corinthians 13, said this. um, uh, He said, religion without love is empty and vain. He went on to say in chapter 16, verse 22, he said, If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. You said, I don't know what that means, Pastor. Anathema maranatha means this. It means, let him be accursed when the Lord returns. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed when the Lord returns. So we see here that, that there's nothing more important than loving God. Nothing more important than loving people. And there's nothing more devastating than to refuse to love God and to refuse to love people. Now the fact that this isn't a new command is revealed in the Ten Commandments. Because if you've been saved for very long, you know something about the Ten Commandments and you know that they were before the New Testament. And and the first uh, two commandments are, are there to show us how important it is for our love to be fully devoted to the one true God. First two commandments is about not having idols, not worshiping anyone except God. So those first two commands, what are they focused on? They're focused on loving God with all your heart, fully devoted to Him. And if you really break the commandments down, this has always been an interesting thing to me. If you break the Ten Commandments down, um, theologians call it the two tablets. The first four commands have to do with your relationship with God. The last six commands have to do with your relationship with people. God and people. And so the idea is, is you'll keep the commandments one through four if you love God. You'll keep commandments six through ten if you love people. 
So you see, even in the Ten Commandments, God is revealing that the supreme thing for all of us is love God, those first four commandments, and love people, right? You, you're not, you know, if you love people, you won't steal from them, right? If you love people, you won't, you, you won't commit adultery with their wife, right? If you love people, you, you, won't, you won't envy them. And so we see this as this is an old idea. So John says, this is nothing new. But then he says this, which is a little confusing. Then he says, but I'm telling you something new. He says, but I'm giving you a new command. Verse 8. Now some of you might be thinking, wait a minute, John. You just said this wasn't new. You just contradicted yourself. But John says that that command is new. What does he mean? Well... He means it's new in the sense that we have never seen the love of God expressed before like we saw it in Jesus. In the Old Covenant, they didn't see Jesus in the way that the New Covenant saw Him. They didn't have the Gospels. They didn't have the love of God fully expressed through a man who lived it out. There was no perfect person in the Old Testament. I don't care if it was Joseph. I don't care who it was that you might look at and say, Oh, that guy was a... They were all sinners. No one fully expressed the love of God. But when you come to the New Testament, when the New Testament opens, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and all four of those books are showing you the love of God lived out perfectly before a lost world. Jesus came to show us the fullness of love. Colossians 2.9 says of Christ that, "...for in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily." Now, before in the Old Covenant, we had an idea of what it was like to love God. We had an idea of what it was like to love people. But in Christ, the love of God is deepened. Our knowledge of the love of God is deepened. John 1.14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so in watching the life of the Savior, the disciples came to understand what it really meant to love God. What it really meant to love people. And that was one of the great privileges of the incarnation to be able to live during that first century and see that. John told his disciples, I'm sorry, Jesus told his disciples in John 14, uh, 13, 34, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. You see, they saw Him loving people. They they watched Him and they said, Now see the way I'm loving people? This is the way you're to love people. Now before we come to know Christ, we can't love in the way that God wants us to love. We can love to some degree. But look at verse 8. It says we were in darkness. What does that mean? That means we were unsaved. Our spiritual eyes were blinded to the truth. But now he says this, he says, But the true light that now shines. What is that? That's the light of salvation in your life. Salvation opens up your eyes to the truth of God. And without the light of salvation, we're not going to be able to love God. Titus 3.3 says that before we came to know Christ, we were hateful and hating one another. Isn't that something? Hateful? And hating one another. Now I want you to notice that John says that that, that the command to love is true in Him. That is, in Jesus and you. 
You see, we love because the love of Christ has been extended to us through the wonderful privilege of the new birth. Romans 5.5 says, The love of God has been poured into your heart if you're saved. It's like God opened you up as a vessel and poured into you the very love of God. And that's the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now you as a new creature have the capacity to love in a new and fresh way. Why? Because Jesus lives in you. And so while it's an old commandment, it's also a new commandment because it's deeper, it's fresher, it's more real. Love is inside of us because we're saved. And then Christ Himself is living through us. 1 Thessalonians 4.9 says, But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Even the most immature believer, it doesn't matter. You get saved... When you get saved, you know you're supposed to love people. You don't have to go through 12 weeks of training. You don't have to have some deep series of sermons to understand that you're supposed to love God and love people. You just know I'm supposed to love what happens when you're born. When you're born, do you have to go through a series of classes to say, no, there's your mother. You need to learn to love her. Now, there's your brothers and your sisters. You need to learn to love them. You know, you know, you're born into a family, and by nature, you know what? I love these people, right? It's your nature by virtue of your birth. And, and it's the same thing with the new birth. By, our, by the very nature of the new birth, we know that we're supposed to love God. And we know that we're supposed to love people. And so he said, there's a lot of things I have to teach you. But he said, it's concerning this brotherly love. He said, I don't have to teach you this because you know. You know within yourselves by virtue of the new birth, by the presence of the Holy Spirit, that you're supposed to love people. So the command to love is new in the sense that we see it expressed fully in the life of Christ and we experience it in a new and fresh way through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. So it's old in the sense that it's always been there. But it's new in the sense that we see it in a deeper way and we experience it in a deeper way because of the new covenant that we have in Jesus Christ. That's good stuff, y'all. Now John goes on down in verse 9 to tell us that it's impossible to love God and hate people at the same time. Look what he says there in verse 9. He that says he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness even until now. So here's a person who says they're in the light. What does that mean? Well, they say they're saved. They say, I'm saved. John says here, a person claims to be saved but hates his brothers. He says, well, they're in darkness. Remember how I told you how brutally honest John is in his writings? He's so brutally honest. Everything's black and white to him, you know. He can see it and he calls it. Just like he sees it. Now, it's important to remember that in John's writings, when you read his writings, when he speaks of the realm of darkness, and he does that often in his writings, when John speaks of the realm of darkness, he speaks of the unsaved. The realm of darkness is where the unsaved abide. Light is where the saved abide. And so John here is teaching us that it's impossible 
To love God and hate people because in order to, to do that, you'd have to be existing in two different realms at the same time. You'd have to be in darkness and in light at the same time. But John says that's not the case. You're either in darkness or you're in the light. One of the two. And if you read John's writings, one of the things he says over and over is that the ultimate mark of salvation is love. The ultimate mark of salvation is love. Places like um, uh, chapter 3, verse 10, chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, and then chapter 5, verse 1. All over and over, he says this, this is what it means to be saved, to love God and love people. Love God and love people. Now, look at verse 11. John elaborates on what it means to be in darkness in this verse. But he that hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and knows not whither he goeth because that darkness has blinded his eyes. You see, this person in spiritual darkness, they don't know where they're going. Uh, They're blind. That would mean that it would be very common for an unsaved person to believe that it's okay to hate people. If you're in darkness, it means you don't see the truth. If you don't see the truth, you justify your hatred of people. You hate them because of this. Or you hate them because of that. And if you're a person who goes around justifying your hatred of people, for whatever reason it might be, you really need to understand that that's a characteristic of a person who is dwelling in darkness. And the sad part is, if you're there, you're ignorant. You don't understand it. You don't, you don't know it. You're void of the truth of God. And the longer you walk in that darkness, the further you'll stray from the truth. You know, we, 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 when we look at our culture, we, we see that it's full of hate. It is. People hate God. And they won't tell you they hate God, but if you read the Bible to them, they'll say they hate God. Because to hate what God says is to hate God. His Word is the expression of who He is. And people hate one another. Let's let's think about how we see that. Let's think first of all about how people hate God. Um, God says that if we love Him, we'll keep His commandments. The proof of love is a desire to keep the commandments of God. Well, just look at our culture. Look at how many people worship false gods. Look at how many people don't worship any god at all. Listen to how many people take the name of the Lord in vain. You know, we were, we were Jennifer and me, we like to watch Elvis. And, and, uh, we like Elvis, and, and we were so excited about the new Elvis movie coming out. But, and people are always like, Kyle, go see this movie. Don't tell me to go see a movie full of profanity. I'm not going to do it. And then I'm going to look it up, and you've told me to go see it, and it's going to make me think less of you. <laughs> okay? So, so I, I, we don't go watch stuff filled with profanity. We don't do it. We screen what we watch as a family, even the adults. Uh, I cussed enough when I was lost. The more I hear cussing, the more likely I am to cuss. You hear me? That's how that works. Some of you can't quit cussing. You can't quit cussing because you won't quit watching it on TV and at movies. If you quit listening to it, you quit. 
I digress. But we want to go see it. Well, we saw at the very beginning, there's like 14 uses of GD. We can't go see that movie. I'm going to pay $12 to go hear somebody damn God? You kidding me? Why would I do that? Well, and that's the proof. People have no fear of God. Why, why would people fill movies and stuff with, with language that damns God? Someone they're supposed to love. And we line up. Take my money and damn my God. That's how I know. People don't love God. I look at the culture. And think about how many people fail to go to church. We live in a culture filled with liars and thieves and children who disobey their parents and adulterers and murderers and, and, and covetous people. People's actions prove they don't love God. That's how we know they don't love God. Now what about people? Do people hate one another? Well, Scripture teaches that our love for others is revealed not in what we say, but in how we treat people. And how we treat people. Um, look at chapter 3, verse 17. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? See, there's an example of that. There's a legitimate need of a brother or a sister in Christ who has need and, and you're able to fulfill that need but you just refuse to do it how you treat people reveals if you love people or not unforgiveness reveals if you love people if you love people you'll forgive them and I know I've had people do some bad things to me folks and you've had people do some bad things to you you hear me but if you love them you'll forgive them if you love them you'll forgive them if you're a prejudiced person, if you judge a person based on their skin color or what language they speak, well, then you don't love that person. You don't love them. If you're a vengeful person, seek revenge on other people. You don't love them. And we could go on, but I think you get the idea. When we measure love by the standard of the Word of God, we reveal that we live in a society of people who do not love one another. We love people who are like us. We love people who agree with us. But we don't love in general. Now John's analogy of walking in darkness is striking. It shows that people will continue in this ignorance with no fear at all. The further they walk, as I said earlier, the further they get away from the truth, and the further they get away from the truth, the less they'll love. And so you can tell how far a person is from God by their attitude toward God and their actions toward people. That's it. Their attitude toward God, their actions toward people, reveal if an individual loves God and loves people or not. A truly saved person will fear God, have reverence for God, 
Respect God. Be emotional even about God. And thankful for all that God has done for them. And a truly saved person will love others and it will be evidenced by the actions that they take toward people. How they treat people. You, you want to hear some crazy stories about how people treat people. Um, talk to these girls who uh, run the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A. And it's always older men. And I know this. My daughter's been working at Chick-fil-A for a long time. And the stories she tells you about how she's treated by people will break your heart. The sexual harassment she has to take. Making no money at all. Next time you get mad at Chick-fil-A, I want you to remember that most of those girls get sexually harassed all day long. All day long. And they do it for very little money. And then somebody's, God forbid, order was wrong. And they get screamed at. And they get yelled at. And they're told, I'm calling corporate and I'm doing this. Just, just absolute anger and rage at a teenager. Who's making next to nothing? Standing in the hot sun, getting fast food for people who are already overfed. Right? That's not love. Is that love? That's not love at all. He said, Well, why don't these girls just who are they going to tell? The customer's always right. Right? Wrong, but right. And so it, 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 it blows my mind, this culture that we live in, that has no respect for people. No love for people. No respect for God. No love for God. And, and, and John's talking to this church, and he's saying, look, if you don't love God, and you don't love people, you're not in the light. And man, I'm going to tell you, if all it takes is the wrong size waffle fries to ruin your day, life must stink for you. Amen? I mean, it must be bad if the wrong size waffle fries sends you into an emotional meltdown. God forbid anything really ever happened to you. Amen? And then we see that love brings clarity and stability into our lives. Look at verse 10. He that loveth his brother abides in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Uh, John says two things about those who love God and others. Uh, um, these are two blessings that, that we all want in our lives. So let's look carefully at them. First of all, we abide in the light. That means we exist in this realm of salvation. Our spiritual eyes have been opened. Acts 26, verse 18. We can see 
the things of God. We can hear the things of God. We're sensitive to the things of God. To put it plainly, we live in Christ. Christ lives in us. He leads us day by day. He speaks to our heart. He teaches us truth. He convicts us of sin. And it is a great blessing to understand the very basic doctrine that Christ lives in you. It's like being in a darkened room and all of a sudden the lights are turned on. Now you know where you are. Now you know where you're going. See, to love God and love others means that we're saved and there's absolutely no better knowledge than that. And and to be saved and to know you're saved is what brings stability into your life because when you know you're saved, nothing can knock you over. They say, well, we're going to kill you, Brother Kyle. That's okay too because I'm saved. Amen? I know where I'm going. And so the first thing is this blessing of abiding in the light and knowing that you're in the light and now you have this great stability. And then he says, we do not cause others to stumble. John makes it clear that when we love God, we don't cause other people to stumble. To stumble means to do something to someone that would make them sin. Or, or, or God forbid to have such an awful representation of Christ before them that they decide they don't want Christ. Right? They say, if you've got that, I don't want that. That's what it means to make someone stumble. And Jesus said it's better for a millstone to be tied around your neck and for you to be cast into the ocean than to cause someone to stumble. Causing someone to live a life of sin is a terrible, terrible thing. And when we... Love God. We're going to manifest the type of life that other people are going to want to live. We'll be encouraging people to turn away from a life of sin and follow Christ. We'll show them the importance of loving God, of of loving people. We'll treat people kindly. We'll respect the feelings that people have. If we offend these people, we'll apologize. You know, as, as believers, we don't want people to live in sin and we don't want people to miss heaven. Amen? We don't want people to live in sin and we don't want people to miss heaven. So therefore, we love. Therefore, we love. We don't want people to live in sin and we don't want people to miss heaven. Therefore, we love. And to love is to do the greatest thing that we can do, church. Let's follow after that. That's why Jesus said, let me make it real easy for you. He said, man, you'll, you'll, you'll just be so mature. Just love God and love people. Amen. You don't have to have a degree, do you, to figure that out? Love God. Love people. And that's the proof that you're in the light, that you've been translated out of the realm of darkness and into the light of God. That's the proof. You love God. You love people. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for reminding us of this simple truth tonight. This old commandment that's also a new commandment. A command that's been around forever, but was modeled perfectly. And we've been given the power to obey through Christ. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to those two simple things, to love you and love people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless.